Master Wayne. Thermal imaging is showing me two dozen hostiles on the third floor. Why don't I drop you off on the second? Slow in my old age, Alfred. Even you got too old to die young. Not for lack of trying. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy. We have to take it as an absolute certainty. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. You're psychotic. That is a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds. I've known a few women like you. I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. Power can be innocent. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and we are on episode 102. My name is Tim. I'm your host again for this episode, and joining me as always is Dane. Dane, what's up? How you doing for episode 102? I'm I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> that's the important thing. <laughs> After 102, I'm still here. Remember in our earlier episodes, we would incorporate our episode numbers to like actual age. I don't. Oh, think, yeah. We really can't do that anymore <laughs> at this age, at this number well, of episodes. My grandma lived to 104. Oh, okay, cool. And I don't think I know anybody else that lived past that. So I think to to 104 we can do that. So our next two episodes we can do that. Yeah, we got to make it count then. Yeah, yeah, because you know you hear those stories about uh, people who kind of make it, you know, set a new record for how old they are. And like sometimes it could be up to 120 or like in the hundred and like in the teens somewhere around there. But yeah, I've never known anyone to make it to 100s. Usually in the 90s. Yeah, I'm not sure about the other people that lived past 100 years old but I remember seeing my my great grandma and it's not something that you want to do you don't want to live past I mean you don't want to live to be that old you know what I mean yeah I mean it's it's kind of like she knew that we were there but she couldn't really respond to us sure because I mean I guess like she just couldn't but and there yeah, are those rare so. instances though where there are people who are that old and they're still, you know, pretty much all there. I mean, sure they can't do a lot of things that 
you could do at a younger age, but I mean, they're still functional. Like walking on their own was still like mentally there. So I mean, that's got to be awesome. If you make it like into the hundreds and you're still able to do most things, I mean, how cool would that be? <laughs> and then there's those other people that, you know, they're, they're like in their seventies or their eighties and they're still running like the Ironman race and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy things like that. Yeah, I'm fortunate enough to have my grandpa who's still alive, who's 91, or will be 91 this year. And man, yeah. he's like almost in perfect health, good shape until he's all there. I mean, he's like sometimes in better shape than like my my dad and uncles <laughs> or his sons. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Yeah, you know, it definitely cause, is. Yeah, because my grandpa, uh, he ended up having uh, before he passed, he had uh, dementia, mm. right, and. It's it was really weird because he couldn't he literally couldn't remember what he just ate, yet he could remember like this small little detail back when he was like seventeen. Wow! Of like I don't know, just like random things. Like um, he couldn't remember what he ate, but I remember talking to him, and he remembers taking my grandma to. Uh, some kind of military ball thing and I was like wow like how, how can you remember all that yet you can't remember what you ate I know it's one of those things where it also makes you think too like it seems so hard to fan like for our age like fathom get, getting to that point and yeah. how it would be like but yeah it's crazy when you stop to think about it and Time's flying by as quick as it ever been, so <laughs> we better start enjoying our youth right now before we get to that uh, point in our lives. Well, I think for you and me, Tim, anyway, our our youth is over already. I think we got to leave that behind. Yeah. Right? I'm an old man. I know in my thirties, <laughs> but let's make a promise right here, right now, Dane. When we reach that point in our lives, we're old men. We're still going to be doing our podcast, <laughs> even if we don't know what we're talking about probably be the only people <laughs> the only old men we'll be going back talking about the same things we did like in our early episodes not remembering <laughs> what we just talked about the last episode but way back the point is we'll still be doing it. exactly so. yep. and who knows maybe at that point we'll still be making our way through the Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary <laughs> <laughs> considering how long it's taken us now but we are making progress because on this episode we're going to be doing minutes 53 to 54 and as we're actually coming to a really cool part of the movie, at least for me, so I'm excited about this minute. So, yeah, we're finally going to see some action. I know. Hopefully it'll last longer than a minute. That's what I'm curious about. Will this whole action sequence be over with on this episode, or will we still talk about it on the next one? Hopefully not. Well, we'll find out. So go ahead and get your VHS copy, your HD DVD, your digital download, your Betamax, your LaserDisc, all the useless old uh, formats that nobody uses anymore to join us on our minute-by-minute commentary. So, Dane, are you set? Yes, I am. All right. We'll start at minute 53 in 3, 2, 1, go. And Bane's thugs are making their way. Walking slowly. <laughs> Are they actually in a fight, or is it just? Or are we just going to see the standoff? That's what I'm questioning right now, too. Uh, <laughs> no, Batman just said it's cool. I mean, they do. They just don't care. <laughs> okay, here we okay, go. Okay, there we go. I love that entry by Batman. We finally get to see Batman fight. Yep. 
which will lead into our future topic, by the way. So I love that right there where he knocks the gun out of her. <laughs> this is a big moment, too, out of all of Christian, uh, Nolan's Batman movies because this is the first time we're seeing Batman fighting with someone. There's a bunch of gets and butts of thugs because obviously he didn't have Robin and Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. And yeah. obviously... He fights a little bit with John Blake at the end, who's supposed to be the Robin of this trilogy, but seeing him with Catwoman just with some type of partner was cool to see. And we made it through that whole fight. <laughs> and that's going to be the last fight for a long time, right? I think until so. The, uh, <laughs> until the Bane Batman. Fight, yeah, right? that seems like another 10 minutes away, 15, <laughs> something like that. So. so that's at least 30 something episodes, right? Probably. Or 30 something weeks. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, so we wanted to have this one last maybe two episodes. Unfortunately, we already went through it, but yeah. it was still good. <laughs> I had to make it count. But from The Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary, we're going to be going into another Batman movie discussion, and which is going to focus on our feature topic for this week. And what else could it be than yet another Batman v Superman trailer? And this one, we got to make count because this is the last one we're going to get. Well, at least I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we were a little over a month away, and I think this one is being billed as the final trailer. But nevertheless, it was another awesome one and should be a cool one to talk about. So, Dane, this actually premiered two days ago, this past Thursday, as we were recording this episode, and we heard talk about a trailer possibly coming soon to be with Deadpool, but um, on our last discussion where we were talking about the trailer, I believe you and me were kind of saying how the third trailer, it was good to, like it was good enough to be the final one. I personally thought they got everything they needed to in that trailer to get us all hyped and excited. I mean, we got Doomsday, we got to see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all together. That kind of sent like, okay, this is it. This is the last big thing we're going to show you guys. Next thing is going to be the movie. So I didn't feel they need to do another trailer, but at the same time, I am not complaining because <laughs> this one just got me all pumped and excited again, especially on the Batman front. So I don't know, were you kind of expecting a new trailer or did you originally think too that the last one we got, that was going to be it? Um, well, of course I hoped we would get another trailer, but I didn't really expect one. I thought the last one was going to be the final one mm. until, you know, because the movie is really close. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like really, really close. So I thought this was, I mean, the, the last one was going to be our last trailer. It had that feel of a final one. Like I said, where it had the final shot of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. It just sent, like, you know, the final stamp on it. <laughs> like, here you guys go. Yeah. Next big thing you're going to see is the actual movie. And I'm glad with this one they didn't really repeat any footage from the previous trailers in this trailer, except for the 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 Batmobile spinning out of control and um, sorry, there's some people on motorcycles. It's the Batmobile going past your <laughs> house, <laughs> and somebody almost just crashed. Oh wow! <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Where are these people? Then we really would have heard the ambulances coming by <laughs> if it was like right there. No, no. Um, yeah, the uh, the Batmobile spinning out of control and uh, Bruce running into the that big cloud. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they didn't really. I mean, they showed us new stuff. 
Yeah, I was surprised too, where, because I was expecting it to, you know, some new footage, but mainly going to be clips from the past three trailers we got. And like I said, there was some familiar shots in there, but for the most part, it was a lot of new stuff, which was cool. But yeah, let's just get to the highlight of the trailer, which is the very beginning that kicks it off. I mean, man, what a way to get you pumped up, not just for the trailer, but just for the movie and Batman, how he's going to be portrayed. I mean, we've already talked about how it looks like Ben Affleck is killing it as both Batman and Bruce Wayne. But while we did see a little bit of certain shots in the other trailers of him fighting some of the thugs and of course with Superman. But man, it was on full display at the beginning of this trailer. It just started off so cool with you know Alfred remotely controlling the Batwing and saying, you know, they're they're on the third floor. It'd probably be best if I dropped you off on the second. And the entrance he made where he just busts through the floor and just starts taking out <laughs> the criminals the way he was doing it was something we haven't really seen before in a Batman movie. And we've talked about before how it looks like... It, I mean, on previous episodes, we talked about how he looks in certain shots. His actions are going to be, you know, just straight from the comics, which we've all been hoping for. And this sequence in the trailer cemented that and just really drove home the point that, yeah, this is a Batman that diehard comic book fans have been waiting to see for a long time. And, man, that just got me so pumped up for it. The way he moved, the way he took out the enemies, it was just so cool to finally see Batman doing that type of action. Uh, got me so pumped up, but... I don't know. Just for that first sequence, what was your reaction? I imagine it was pretty similar to mine. <laughs> yeah, it was essentially your reaction, but he, uh, his fighting style seems more brutal. Yep. You know, because I, I think this is the first time we see him go up against just regular, looks like regular thugs, right? Mm-hmm. And dare I say, it, it looks, I mean, I was talking to Mark and I told Mark this, but it it, it looks like the way Batman fights in a uh, Frank Miller comic. It's just brutal mm-hmm. and dare I say all-star Batman and Robin Ooh, wow. fighting style. Just brutal take no prisoners kind of kind of fighting. Yeah, which is how he's been built up for this movie. I mean, saying Batman's in a real dark place now and we had those quotes from I think producer Charles Robin that he's going to be uh, judge, jury, and executioner, executioner, and everyone kind of took that out of proportion. I feel and think, oh, Batman's going to be a killer now. He's going to be killing criminals, which I don't think is going to be the case. But this is perfectly showing, I think, what those comments meant—just being really brutal, like you said, and just not taking any prisoners. But yeah, he's not killing them either. And another vibe I got, and I saw this a lot from people online too, that that whole sequence and the way he fought and the way he entered the room was a lot like some something you would play in the Arkham games where like he was doing in detective mode scoping out the room and then you would do like a takedown where you enter the room whether it's like through the ceiling and in this case in the trailer it's from the floor beneath and he just flies right through it and that was almost straight out of the Arkham games what was cool and then the way he takes down that thug where he like grabs him and then just drops him on that uh, box that was right there that's something like it would be an environmental takedown from the Arkham games I just love the quick pace of it too going from one guy to the next and while we did get that type of stuff in the Nolan trilogy, I know one of the knocks on it, and I, I could kind of agree with it too, where it was maybe the way it was edited was a little too fast-paced, where you couldn't make out certain moves, especially in Batman Begins. It was pretty good in The Dark Knight, but in Batman Begins, it was cut really fast, where it kind of, you really couldn't 
keep track and see like the fight choreography that was going on in there. But this one, you can see everything perfectly. I love how it was shot, the movements on Ben Affleck and the fighting styles he was going with those guys, with those thugs there. It was just so, so cool. And there was that one moment, too, where someone tries to hit him with the knife on the back of his cowl, and it just like snaps off, has no effect on him, showing that there's armor plating in Batman's cowl and his cape. Just so cool. And then I think to top it off was... Uh, the dialogue too afterwards where uh, Bruce just says, I'm getting old or I'm getting too slow in my old age, Alfred. <laughs> That's such a Bruce line. He would say something like that at that point in his career, I would think. And Alfred had a good line too saying like, um, you're getting too old to die young or something like that. I can't remember the exact line, but it was a good rapport between it. I thought him and Alfred, that whole sequence, the way Alfred was telling him how to enter. And then, you know, after the fight was over, having some, you know, typical Alfred Bruce banter that I thought worked really well. So overall, yeah, and- that sequence made the trailer. And if that was all they showed us for this trailer, I would have been happy. <laughs> I even tweeted out saying too, if the whole movie was just this sequence, I would leave the theater a happy Batman fan. <laughs> it was just that good. And I highly doubt that's, all that fight sequence is going to be. I don't think they showed us everything from that scene. So I'm expecting more cool stuff from that sequence. So I don't know how long it will be, but I think we'll get more cool action stuff through that whole sequence of Batman taking out those thugs in the warehouse. So, man, I'm just excited to see that. But then we got all the other cool stuff to look forward to in the movie. So, yeah, that opening sequence alone got me so pumped for Batman v Superman, even more so. And the fact that it's just a little over a month away now, it's like, ah, just give us the movie already. <laughs> Yeah, and is it me, or does does the relationship between Bruce and Alfred seem a lot closer than they were in uh, the Dark Knight trilogy or any other Batman movie we, we've seen? I think it has the potential to be, but I'm not going to say yeah. it is just yet, because they did a great job establishing the Alfred and Bruce dynamic in the Dark Knight trilogy, but this one looks like it's going to be more on that front, too, but I also like Alfred playing a little more of a role. It looks like in you know, Batman's activities, being able to control the Batwing remotely and talking to him more while he's out in the field. I think we'll probably see more of that. More of kind of like Alfred in action, I guess you could say. But another cool thing about the trailer, too, was, of course, the main event, the Batman-Superman fight. And we got a lot of cool new visuals with that as well. <laughs> I mean, both I'd say on both ends, you got Superman taking care of Batman in certain instances. That moment where Batman just, or Superman just pushes like flickers batman out of the way it was awesome then you got a moment where batman just like a high jump kick and superman's able to block it but the one that ended the trailer which i've seen a lot of gifs on <laughs> from people on twitter is where superman's about to punch batman and he blocks it with his arm and superman just has that shocked look on his face like how is this even possible <laughs> like what are you doing and then the sequel the trailer ends with that so if you could make a little bit of a criticism on it I guess you could say it was a little more Batman centric than like an even trailer for Batman and Superman but I'm not really going to hold that against it I mean I think this was Warner Brothers last push to kind of show those who are still on the fence or maybe have reservations about it just how awesome at least Batman is going to be in this movie because I seen a lot where people still aren't sold on Zack Snyder's take on Superman so even if they still don't like how he's going to portray like you still got to come and see how awesome Batman is in this movie and I think they definitely got that point across in the trailer and again Superman fans getting the shaft <laughs> I know. with these trailers with this movie it's like not even 
not even Superman's movie anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we that ship has sailed on this being the official Man of Steel sequel a while ago. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of its own thing as Batman v Superman. Right. But another cool thing is we finally got to hear Wonder Woman speak, where it's not actually her in the Wonder Woman costume, but it's in that um, shot. We've seen pictures of before where uh, Diana and Bruce dancing at some type of party, and uh, we hear Gal Gadot finally say some dialogue in this trailer. And while it's only a few lines where she says, you never met a woman like me, it, it was still cool to finally hear her, and she sounds good. It's not like anything where you have cause for concern if you worry about performance about how she's going to deliver her lines because it sounded fine there. And I think it was just good to finally get that out because for so long we've gotten all these trailers and yet we've seen cool shots of Wonder Woman but we haven't heard her speak so it kind of makes you think, oh, like, why are they doing that? Are they not too sure of her performance or anything like that? I mean, I don't think that's the case but that kind of goes through your head as you're wondering why we're not seen or hearing in this case that much for Wonder Woman but we finally got something here and we even heard her give a little scream in that new shot where she's jumping out assumingly to fight towards Doomsday so yeah that was cool to finally get some dialogue from Wonder Woman here and on the Superman front like I said we have some cool shots of him defending Batman's attacks but other than that like Superman and Clark I don't think there was really too much else of anything new on that front. So, like you said, maybe diehard Superman fans might be a little disappointed <laughs> with this trailer for the lack of Superman content. But, yeah, I still don't see If you're someone who is looking forward to this movie already, this is just going to make the wait seem even longer, even though it's so close. Yeah, this trailer, it was awesome. So, I kind of hope... I expecting, like I said, this one to be it, but at the same time, too, it's like, will we... Will they have any more surprises for us from now and from the movie comes out? Are we going to get any different TV spots, maybe little TV specials here and there, an actual uh, clip of a scene, maybe as we get closer and the cast starts doing you know, talk show interviews and stuff like that? I wonder how much new stuff we're going to see from now between then, or if they just kind of use the same old footage we're getting in these four trailers and maybe show that clip again between Superman and Batman where Superman flips the Batmobile out and he rips the or covering off the car, and he tells Super or tells Batman not to go with, to the bat signal once it shines out in Gotham City. Like, is that going to be the go-to scene that they're going to show everywhere, or will they show something new? So we shall see. The yeah. marketing's going to start ramping up a lot as the movie's just a few weeks away now, a little over a month. So we'll see how much more new stuff we get. But if not, this trailer will definitely suffice as being the final new thing we'll ever see of the movie before it actually comes out yeah and i just have to say that the the armored bat suit it just looks so cool oh yeah i mean i have nothing else to say about it it just looks cool yeah man it looks of course dead on from the frank miller designs and the dark knight returns but yeah beyond that it just looks super cool in this movie scene the light up lenses in the suit is <laughs> something you know, I wish was on his normal Batman <laughs> outfit because that's like the only thing missing from that bat suit being you know total perfection and comic like having those white lenses but it looks awesome on the armored suit and I have a feeling though it's not going to survive the movie I think either in his fight with Superman or maybe he might use it against Doomsday I think it's going to be wrecked <laughs> and kind of torn apart by someone <laughs> Do you think he wears the, the, the normal bat suit under that? Or is that just... <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. Is that what he wears? I yeah. think it's going to be just what he wears for his fight with Superman. 
But yeah, that's what I'm kind of curious too. Is he going to go back and get it later on for his fight with Doomsday, or the Superman wreck it and he can't use it anymore yeah. for later on in the movie? Yeah, but then how does he fight Doomsday? That's a good question. Well, we did see that yeah. sequence in the second trailer where um, that laser beam gets fired at him and he swings away on the rooftop of the building. Oh, yeah. He was in his normal suit there, so maybe it's going to be like a lot of dodging and maybe using a bunch of different gadgets to take on Doomsday and kind of let Superman and Wonder Woman handle the brunt of it. Mm. At least that's how I see it playing out. But, yeah, this trailer, how would you rank it now? We did this with the third one. Where do you rank it out of the four? Because I'm ready to put it as number two. Like I said on our previous episodes that second comic-con trailer i think was the best and almost as perfect as you can be so nothing was going to top that but this one got me even more excited than that third trailer did just i think mainly on the batman fan level because seeing that batman do what he did in this trailer was everything i was hoping for and this new interpretation of batman and kind of what uh, we were promised as far as how he was going to be from all the comments from Zack Snyder and everybody. So that's kind of what sets it as number two for me. But where would you put it? Yeah, it's it's definitely... I'd say it's it's the best one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, be, besides that Comic-Con one where we first got to see, you know, that bootleg? Yeah. Sort of somebody's holding their camera. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably they're, they're probably tied both of those <sighs> yeah you, you make a good case as far as it being up there but I just can't shake that awesome feeling I had the first time I saw that second Comic Con trailer like nothing's been duplicated with that yet as awesome as this one was and it's just like a tad below that one just almost as good but just not quite because i just felt that one the second one was an even balance of you know showing batman and superman and what we're going to get in this movie where this one is more batman centric and yes while you could say being more of a batman fan this one should take the cake as far as the best one but i guess i'm going to play it fair <laughs> and keep it give it to the second one as being the one that best shows what this movie is going to be about for both characters but man what a welcome uh I'll say surprise in quotes because <laughs> we did hear stuff early on before we got it. So I was expecting it, but early on, I guess of the month being a little bit surprised of hearing reports, Oh, we are going to get a new trailer. So then just kind of waiting for when we're officially going to get it. So yeah, it definitely delivered. I'm glad this one too was getting more of a positive reaction online from different people that I've seen. Cause the last one uh, got a lot more negative response than I thought it would, especially, you know, a few weeks afterwards, like after we talked about it, I noticed more of a negative response towards it. So I don't think that's going to be the case with this one. This one seems to be universally praised about how awesome it's uh, portraying Batman. So that's going to be good. But before we leave this topic of discussion, I do want to bring one thing up that I kind of just was made aware of yesterday. Actually, it was Mark who let me know through Twitter, like, hey, did you see this article on HitFix about them saying, you know, Warner Brothers is nervous about Batman Returns and or Batman Returns, Batman v Superman, <laughs> and like about their slate of upcoming DC movies where they might get rid of Zack Snyder for Justice League and push back Justice League because of Batman v Superman maybe not working on all levels. And I was like, 
really look at that report on hitflix got reported on the same day the trailer came out but i just found out about it yesterday because i didn't see too many people talking about it but then yesterday i kind of did some research and go okay somehow i must have missed it because i've seen a lot of different uh, sources and other like batman sites who were kind of weighing in a little bit on there but not quite yet but just acknowledging it i was like can't there be just enjoy this trailer without some type of other controversy going on with this movie it was like i glad i didn't read it on thursday because i was just all pumped and hyped for the movie because of this trailer but yesterday it was like uh, it took my hype down a little bit because it's just a shame that there's so much you know worry about this movie going on and far as how it was to be received and how people will like it so it was kind of disappointing but at the same time too i'm not putting like all that much stock into this report because the source for it on HitFix, uh, his name is Drew McWeeny, and I know his, his track re- record hasn't been <laughs> that like on the money all the time because he was the one who reported about that no jokes policy for all Warner Brothers uh, superhero movies. And obviously, <laughs> by the trailers we've seen in both Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, that is not the case. Right. So the sources probably are questionable, but at the same time, I just think it's just a shame that. Every time we get excited about it, there's something that, that comes out that like dampens my excitement for it. But hopefully that's not the case. I'm kind of more leaning towards it's just, you know, maybe Warner Brothers is nervous. I'm sure they are considering how they need this to be a success. But I don't think they're at the point where, you know, they're going to get rid of Zack Snyder and delay Justice League. Because I think this movie's going to make good m- amounts of money regardless. And they'd want to, you know, continue that with their other movies unless it just like really flops. But I don't. I don't see that happening, but I don't know. Are you putting yeah. any stock into that reports about Warner Brothers being really nervous about it? No, I think it's just pure clickbait, mm. you know, just to get more hits. That's what it sounds like, like to me, yeah. Um, if if Warner Brothers didn't have confidence in Zack Snyder, they, they wouldn't, you know, tell him to go do Jimmy Kimmel. They wouldn't tell him to go to the Super Bowl, which mm. he was at, you know, doing some kind of, like, promotion for the movie and giving away money to somebody. Yeah, right? that's a good point too. Yeah, because the contest was to work with him on Justice League, <laughs> or right, it right. did say DC so movie, they, but we all know what that is. Yeah, so they they wouldn't be doing all this stuff if they didn't have confidence. You you wouldn't hear from him essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 would not have put out another trailer. I don't think to if if they had no confidence in Batman v Superman and if, if they had no confidence in Zack Snyder. You would not hear about it. Yeah, another good thing, too, that's a good point, where they just had that uh, Road or Dawn of the Justice League TV special with Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns, where, you know, they're getting everybody hyped up for their cinematic universe and the Justice League and all these characters. And I don't think they'd put that out if they weren't confident with the movie slate they had for the Justice League. Because I would think at that point, before the special aired, they'd have a good idea of how Batman v Superman is and what they think of it. So if they were, you know, that nervous about it and not confident in the movie, I don't think and if they were going to put stuff on hold, I don't think they would have done, you know, all this promotional stuff like you said and then like that special to get us to get us all excited and then take a step back and say, "Okay, we're actually going to delay it and get rid of Zack Snyder." Because and I think too, they have everything mapped out with what Zack Snyder wants to do with not only Batman v Superman, but with Justice League, and they have a good idea of what his plan is. So 
they must be on board with it. And for them to kind of get cold feet and back out now as they're so close, like the only way I see that happening is, is if the movie just flat out bombs financially when it comes out, which is, I just don't think it's going to happen. Regardless of what the reaction is going to be from people, I'm expecting it to be, you know, uh, I want to say on the same level of divisive reaction of Man of Steel was, but given it that it's Batman and Superman, I think we're going to see an even bigger divisive reaction from so many people. So I'm sure Warner Brothers doesn't want that, but I'm sure that's what they're nervous about too, in a way. So Yeah, yeah, and it's not only that. It's like, let's say this guy is right and Warner Brothers has no faith in uh, Zack Snyder or the Justice League movie, mm-hmm. right? Why are they pouring so much money into all this promotion and you know flying Zack Snyder to the Super Bowl and you know, all this all this stuff you know yeah why are they doing this if they have no faith exactly yeah so I'm not buying it right now either so we're just gonna have to wait and see till March as far as what happens with the this movie and how much it makes and how it's received by fans and critics alike so. At the same, like I'm real excited just to see this movie as a fan, but at the same time, I'm a little nervous actually <laughs> about to see what the reaction is going to be because I just want this to be a really cool experience. But unfortunately, I know there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to like it. I just, you know, got to try to not let that damper my excitement and my enthusiasm if I do in fact love it as much as I am expecting to. So, just going to have to kind of roll with it. Thankfully, I've had years of experience of putting up with this with the Star Wars prequels as far as really enjoying those but at the same time hearing a lot of people's complaints about them all the time so kind of have to get myself prepared probably for a little bit more of that with Batman v Superman yeah. you know what I was thinking about the um, episode 7 mm-hmm. What's that? I'm surprised uh, Disney or Lucasfilm d- didn't do any deal with uh, a fast food company to um, <coughs> you know sell toys in their happy mm-hmm. meal the only one they did it with was subway but yeah subway. they didn't have like you know any toys uh, or anything like that they just had some cups yeah. and a few uh small bags that you can purchase but i actually would have been happier if they did like a happy meal thing because i would have gobbled yeah. up all those collectible toys <laughs> oh so you didn't go to subway for well all i did that too but <laughs> yeah, of course i would rather have little figures and toys then i wonder if they're doing that for batman v superman though Maybe cups. Yeah, I miss the Happy Meal days, actually. Even though <laughs> I'm not a little kid anymore, I'm sure I wouldn't be the only one who would still go out and collect them. You know what they got to do again? This is the, um, the Batman Forever glass cup. Those are really good, actually. <laughs> yeah, I still have them. Yeah, me too. What was the one that you used the most? Um, you know what? I was just thinking about this, and I totally, totally just played <laughs> Because I totally remember the one I always used. It was the Robin one. It was the perfect shape. I loved the handle on it. Because the Batman yeah. one was kind of similar, but I don't similar. But I didn't like that handle because it was like batarangs that made up the handle and it was a little too pointy. Yeah. So, but the Robin one was just nice and even, and I was able to easily grip it with my hand. Yeah, and if you drop one of those, it's done. yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Thankfully, I didn't have to find out that way. But it did look like <laughs> they wouldn't survive a drop on the floor. See, yeah, I miss those days. <laughs> People complain about movie tie-ins and marketing and stuff, but I want that to come back. The McDonald's Happy Meal. But unless we do, we'll just have to continue on with whatever they decide to give us with Batman v Superman. 
and I'm sure I'll pick up <laughs> whatever fast food chain that they decide to be partners with. But continuing on the Batman v Superman theme and some of our news discussion topics, before we actually got this cool trailer on the day of the Super Bowl last week, we got what I thought was another cool promotional videos for Batman v Superman. And this was through uh, the Turkish airline. They had so they specially made commercials that were in-universe, kind of promoting their flights to Gotham and Metropolis, kind of showing you like the highlights and the pretty much like to get tourists to come to those cities and showing how Wayne or Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor are endorsing both their trips to Gotham and Metropolis. And I thought it was very well done. It was something that you would expect Bruce and Lex Luthor to do to promote their companies and, you know, to do business with Turkish Airlines. And I, it was reminding me a little bit of those old uh, viral marketing and stuff. We've, we're seeing a lot now with movies, but I always like to think The Dark Knight was the pioneer of that, kind of with the viral uh, marketing they did for that movie. And this was pretty similar to that, I thought. And I kind of like seeing these in-universe commercials to kind of tie everything together. But I thought it was really cool to... Gotham one was awesome where you got to see the Ace Chemicals building out there. There was a shot where I think like the narrator was saying, who knows, you maybe even see some local celebrities and you see the bat signal flying in the night sky. It was just cool. And then Ben Affleck being Bruce Wayne in there was a nice touch. And again, even in this commercial, he's showing that he's making an awesome Bruce Wayne. And I have to say for the Metropolis one, this was the best I've seen of Jesse Eisenberg's performance as Lex Luthor. <laughs> he acted like Lex as someone who, you know, just uh, showing his, the business uh, man side of him, being real confident, and not he wasn't the jokey Lex that we've seen so much in the trailers and stuff. So if we get more of this version of Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, I'll be happy. But, but I know it's going to be a mix, but I'm hoping we get more of this one that we saw in this commercial, because he did make a good Lex Luthor in this commercial. He just... So... Once he loses his hair, like I said before, I'm hoping he's going full on this mode, and that's all we'll see of him. But uh, what do you think of these commercials if you saw them? Because the, if we didn't get the trailer, I thought these were cool enough. That's just another added little bonus for the movie. Yeah, I didn't really care for the the uh, Metropolis mm-hmm. one, but I thought the uh, the Gotham one was perfect. I mean, I don't know if it was Ben Affleck or the way it was written, but it it literally feels like a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though it's promotion for the movie, but it's <laughs> it feels like a real commercial. Like Bruce is like a real guy, and he invested all his money in Gotham. And come see Gotham because it's you know it's being rebuilt and stuff. And um, just how they, like you said, how they worked in the big and everything. And I just thought it was great. It it, it kind of reminded me of um, I don't know if you've ever seen them, Tim, but those California commercials. To, to come visit California with all celebrities. See, I haven't seen too many of those. Probably because since I live in California, they're yeah. not going to advertise yeah, them here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of okay. that. It's like, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it. <laughs> like, come visit California when he was the governor. Well, that was and, funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. You know, it's just a nice little thing. Yeah, actually, one of the reasons I like the Metropolis one, too, because it did establish how or one of the selling points to get tourists to come to Metropolis was how it is being rebuilt now because of the destruction we saw of Man of Steel. And I liked how they show, you know, construction workers walking to the work site, stuff being built, and seeing Lex saying how it's because of him and his company that Metropolis is being rebuilt again. I just kind of like how it's all tying into stuff we've 
kind of knew already and kind of expected to see how Lex was going to play a big part in the rebuilding of Metropolis and to kind of use that to his advantage. And this would be some, you know, that he would definitely use as a way to get people to come to Metropolis and, of course, to get better business for LexCorp. So it worked for Metropolis. It worked for Gotham City. It would just it worked for us as a fan. I just thought it was just something cool all the way around. So like I said before, that was all we got, you know, this week in to kind of get us a little more hyped up for, especially during Super Bowl time, we were kind of hoping to get something for Batman v Superman. I thought this was something cool and different to get us hyped for the movie, even though we're not getting a trailer. But we got a trailer anyway, just a few days later. So <laughs> we just keep getting spoiled with this movie. <laughs> wonder why they waited to release that trailer. Why didn't they just do it yeah, the Super Bowl? That's a good point because I, like I said at the beginning, I think they wanted to get it out with Deadpool, but if the Super Bowl was. Yeah you know, just the weekend before, so it makes sense to put it out there. Maybe they didn't want to pay, like, what was it, like $5 million per spot? You know what, Dane? You hit the nail on the head right there. That is the reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's good. It's a conspiracy. Warner Brothers has no yeah. <laughs> be super bad. <laughs> yeah, let's just uh, use Turkish Airlines to pay for this $5 million, <laughs> but we'll still benefit <laughs> from it. <laughs> and and you know how there's that that um, that scene at the end after that that whole kind of fake commercial is is done with uh, Superman yeah. and Batman and the mechanical suit mm. walking towards each other. Each other. Do you think that's additional footage, or do you think that's part of the movie? No, I think it's going to be part of the movie. I think that's actually yeah. what people saw when they uh, had the very first teaser in IMAX. They had those special screenings, and there's like a little bit of additional footage. I think it, no. that was part of it because I know there was a shot where they run to each other and it's like they're just about to clash and that's where it ends. But it looks like that could have been a shot that was maybe happened a little bit beforehand, but not quite sure. But I think it will be in the movie. But it was a perfect way to end those commercials too, because <laughs> it was cool. Because you see, you know, it's a fun advertisement getting people, you know, wanting to come to their respective cities. But then at the end, you kind of see what it's really like, especially when you see the Gotham one and you see Bruce talking to the camera and saying how great Gotham is. But then you get that shot of him in the armored bat suit seeing the real Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it was a pretty nice contrast. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool way to end it too. So yeah, good week all around on the Batman v Superman front, at least when it comes to commercials and trailers and advertisement stuff. Just a shame, like I said, we just had a little negative <laughs> story to kind of downplay a little bit of the excitement I had at least for for it but I've moved past it and I'm still super super excited for this movie again it's just like come out already (laughs) I'm just so ready to see it because after expecting it to be in 2015 so as a summer release date and then having to get pushed back to 2016 it's like it's been a long journey to get here and I guess you keep having these little setbacks for it but we're so close now so yeah, I think it's going to be worth the wait because it, man, it seems like we've been talking about this movie for a while. Because was it 2013 they announced it, and then like the end of summer, Ben Affleck was announced as playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. So it's been a long journey for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think we're at the point where I mean, I had the same thing with, uh, or I had the same feeling I had when um, the. It was the weeks leading up to the mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, movie. I think we're at that point where you just gotta bury your head in the sand and just ignore, ignore everything. <laughs> That's so hard to do. Just, 
keep your keep keep your eyes on the problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's easier said than done, especially for me. I'm awful at that. I'm going to eat up everything they try yeah. to show us. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on from awesome Batman v Superman discussions, we were there's some comic book news, and we talked about this on our last episode where uh, Scott looks like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are going to be leaving the monthly Batman title and it's actually been confirmed what the last issue was going to be now and we only got two issues left their final story will be in Batman number 51 and Snyder was kind of talking about this on Twitter and he was saying that um, he, he said certain comments where I kind of delayed on finishing up Batman 51 knowing this will be the last and he's saying how Batman 50 is going to wrap up, you know, the whole storyline with Gordon as Batman and Bruce coming back. But then after that, he says 51 is just going to be, you know, kind of like a love letter to the fans. This It says it's the lightest he's ever written. And not as in happy, but light as in not as many panels per page. And he says it's really, really open. as a chance for Greg to draw the close before we take our break. So... He's going to be done for Batman for the foreseeable future, and while we said it on the last episode, there are rumors that he may be moving on to Detective. That hasn't been confirmed by DC or Scott Snyder, because when someone asked him about that on Twitter, I think someone said to him, are you excited to go back to Detective again? He said, I never said I was, so I think it's still likely he will, but right now he just can't talk about it, so we'll just have to wait and see until DC finally gives their DC Rebirth announcement, which I expected we would have gotten by now, but Apparently, they're still keeping it pretty close to the chest. So, I don't know. It's going to be... It's an end of an era, that's for sure. So, I just hope we do see Scott Snyder on some type of Batman title, whether it's Detective or something else. But it's going to be strange after, you know, a good four-year run on this book that it's now going to be in the hands of a different writer. So, it's going to be an end of an era, that's for sure. I hate to be that that new writer, whoever it is. Because he's going to have to... (laughs) You know, some big boots, but yeah, I mean, if he's gone, he's gone, and I guess we can look back at what he's done for for Batman and you know the the Batman book and his limited time on Detective Comics before the New Fifty Two, and you know, just be appreciative that that he got a chance to write his books. Yeah, and he definitely left his mark. That's for sure. I mean. He's going to be up oh, yeah. there as having one of the greatest Batman runs, I think, for a long time. So, it's the, and who's the last? Who's the last writer that we can compare to Scott Snyder's run on Detective Comics and Batman? Hmm, would you? He definitely has some good stories, but I don't know about the whole run. But would you put Grant Morrison's entire Batman run that he did and everything? You know back from, you know, the Batman Batman and Son up until Batman Incorporated and all that. Where would you rank that as as far as comparing it to Scott Snyder's? Oh, uh, Batman and Son, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Definitely his early um, Batman and Robin stuff with Dick as Batman. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but Batman Incorporated I kind of fell off the... Yeah, I think Snyder's would definitely be a more lasting impact and be remembered more fondly, but... I, I know there's some people who just absolutely love Grant Morrison's run and hold that in high regard too as being a great uh, Batman uh, run of comics so I don't know that's an interesting debate <laughs> it'd be nice to hear different opinions and see whose is going to be better but it is good that Scott is going to have the chance you know, to finish on his terms it's not like he was in the middle of a story and that 
got kicked off, which I know you're well aware of, Dane, was what happened with that woman. So <laughs> thankfully that didn't happen to him. So it's just good he's yeah. going to have closure on it. Yeah, just as long as he doesn't pull like a Michael Jordan yeah. or something. <laughs> he tries to come back, and he's not as good as he used to be. Yeah, and he says, I think that he definitely still has more Batman stories to tell. I think he even mentioned several villains like uh, Scarecrow and Two-Face. He has stories that he wants to tell with them. So we'll see in what capacity he's able to do it. But I am looking forward to him and Greg's next DC project, which I think is going to be an event series. So I can't wait to find out what that is. But I guess we'll give early congratulations to Scott Snyder on a awesome awesome job well done on his Batman run we'll maybe do a little more talk about it once that final issue comes out so until then we gotta make these last two issues count but speaking of Batwoman I wanted to go ahead and give a little review for the latest DC animated movie Batman Bad Blood and I guess right off the bat I'll say I really enjoyed this one it was one I was looking forward to because it was I knew it was gonna the, the selling point for me was going to be finally getting a movie with Dick as Batman and seeing him play with uh, of playing off of Damien's Robin like we were just talking about with Grant Morrison's great Batman and Robin run and it was doing that but it also incorporated quite a few stories which you know could make for a disaster if you're trying to combine all these things into one cohesive story but I thought uh, J. Oliva J. Oliva the, I'm probably saying his name wrong J. Oliva uh, the director did a great job. It's <laughs> funny how you tried to say that. I know. It's, it's a simple name, too. I don't know why you had trouble saying it and butchering it. Plus, it's always the I know. Ones. I've talked to him a few times at the Red Carpet premiere, so I think I'd be used to it by now. But <laughs> but he did a great job of bringing all these uh, stories together. and the Because you had Grant Morrison's like Batman Incorporated. A lot of elements from that were in there. Like I said, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin run. Then you throw in Batwoman and Batwing. So a lot of stuff thrown into this movie. And like I said, I thought it pretty much all worked really, really well. I think the only character who felt a little shoehorned in there was Batwing. Because he was cool in it, but it was something where you didn't spend enough time with him you know, to get fully invested in the story. Because... You had the disappearance of Bruce, Dick taking over the mantle of Batman, Damien working with Dick. Then you had Batwoman, and she was the, out of the two new characters. Batwoman was the one that got the more focus as far as her backstory. And I thought they did a good job with that and bringing her as part of the team and then uh, getting Luke Fox as part of the team. I would have rather been uh, David, the original Batwing, because I think he has a better backstory in his situation as far as how he became Batwing but given that he was you know the Batman of Africa probably would have been a little too much to explain why he's in Gotham and get his whole backstory how he got involved with Luke Fox it was pretty easy because you know Lucius works for Wayne Tech he he pretty much knew already that uh, Lucius and Wayne Enterprises was working with Batman so once he got you know involved with it it was pretty believable on how and why he did get the Batwing suit Another disappointment I had was the Batwing suit. They went more towards the original one, which wasn't my favorite. And Luke Fox has an awesome, awesome suit in the comics, which I just love. So I was like, ah, if you're using Luke Fox, you should have used the costume he's having now as Batwing because I just love that suit. So that was a little minor nitpick. But seeing Dick as Batman was really cool. I mean, every time I would read those comics, I didn't quite know to get a Batman 
voice for Dick. Like, how would he sound as Batman? But uh, the one we got here, he, he did a pretty good job as far as, you know, being Dick but yet sounding as Batman. He had a few people call him out as far as, like, you know, if that's your Batman, you got a lot <laughs> to work on. But it was just cool to finally see that dynamic on screen. And while the Dick and Damien stuff was cool, that was another thing I wish we got a little more of because they did it really well in this movie. But I just wanted to see more of it. And just kind of see them more like patrolling Gotham, dealing with their own villains. Like if we would have gotten something with them facing Professor Pigs, like we did in the comics, that would have been really cool. But the main thrust of it was trying to find Bruce and to see if he's still alive and what's happened to him. And so that's where it ties in with Batman Incorporated. Was it was Talia? Um, we did get the heretic uh, Damien, who you know, and the Batman Incorporated story was a clone that Talia tried to perfect and be full grown version of Damien, the one that actually killed him. And while we didn't get that in the com- in this movie, we did get how that clone Damien did want, you know, that the real Damien Wayne alive just so he can kind of get his memories and he basically uses the word soul because he knows he's just a clone who follows orders, but he wants to get the real Damien to be a part of him. So a little bit different that way, but it was still you know, definitely know they were taken from Batman Incorporated. Then the ending sequence was just really, really cool because, you know, Leviathan was trying to brainwash the citizens of Gotham in Batman Incorporated. And they took that, you know, to a more global scale where they use, where Tally used Bruce uh, to be the first one who gets under his control. And while the Bat family doesn't realize it right away, uh, Bruce does get, falls under Talia's control and try to take control of like all the big top officials in the world because Bruce is having this debut of some new Wayne Tech uh, product, which is going to have a lot of investors there, a lot of important people like Lex Luthor, Amanda Waller. So Talia uses that as a prime advantage to get control of everybody in one fell swoop. But, of course, with Batwoman, Batwing, and Robin and Dick as uh, Batman, they're all there to stop him. And there was a great action sequence at the end with Dick fighting Batman and this really cool fight choreography that we saw in the sequence because they're so evenly matched at the beginning they were like given attacks but they were both able to easily block each other's attack because they know each other's moves so well but then when it was time to throw down Batman got the better end of a dick but it was just a cool fight sequence to play out and you got Batwoman fighting Talia and it was just one of those action sequences where it's focusing on different characters but it was really balanced really good where you weren't stuck on one and wondering, okay, get back to that fight. I thought it was evenly paced. So that was really cool. And then you just got this great, you know, bit at the end where Bruce is trying to struggle to get out of Talia's control. And it's, you know, it's going to take his family member to do that, of course, being Dick and Damien. So great emotional bits in there too. And then at the end, we got a really cool tease where the Bat family is going to get even bigger because I wasn't expecting it to end on this note. And spoiler warning, by the way, if you haven't seen it. But uh, at the very end, we see you know the whole team meet up. The Bat signal flashes in the sky. Uh, you see Penguin in a car chase, so they're all going to go after him. And so as they all leave the, ro- leave the rooftop, you see a silhouette figure step out of the shadows, and it's Barbara as Batgirl in a new 52 costume about to join them. So definitely setting up for hopefully a cool bat squirrel story to come in the future because i don't know if she's going to be established already where uh she has worked with batman before and she's like making her way back to gotham or is that her first night out and she's still keeping 
you know, Batgirl is secret from most people, and this is going to be her big, you know, debut. So we'll find out what they have planned for her. But overall, I thought it was a really cool movie. Great action, as always, from these movies, especially from Jay Oliva, who has a great documentary on, like, how he choreographs fights and how he always wants to top himself. It was a really great to hear how he goes into making these movies, and just his views on Batman, how he fights, just makes him a perfect director for these animated movies. So, uh, anytime he directs a movie, is you know, you're going to be in for some cool stuff, so I just keep hoping Warner Brothers Animation keeps using him, because he knocks him out of the park in the fight choreography category. So, yeah, Dane, this one has my seal of approval and thumbs up. I recommend checking this one out. So if you're planning to go back and watching these animated movies, definitely check out Batman vs. Robin and then Batman Blood, Bad Blood. I think you'll like it. Okay, good. Because I never watch anything. I don't buy anything unless I get yeah. to approval. <laughs> Yeah, so especially for you as a Batwoman fan, I think you'll like it. And just kind of curious to see how you think they did her portrayal as uh, as she was in the comics and then translating it to the movie. So, is it better than the Batwoman movie? Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I could definitively say it's much better than Mystery of the Batwoman. (laughs) You know what? I still got to get that on Blu-ray, even though it's not my favorite. I still want to have all of them. I'll watch that one again and let you know if it's gotten any better over the years or if it's still not one of the best. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I guess that's going to do it for our main discussion topic. So uh, I guess we can go ahead and move on to a conversation with Alex. All right, so Alex says, Hey, fellas. Holy depressing Green Mile Revelation. (laughs) (laughs) Look what you did, Dane. Yeah, I guess so. But if you think about it, I might be right. You made some good points. I'm not going to argue with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Great episode, guys. I'm glad you guys had a positive reaction to the Suicide Squad trailer because I, too, was very hesitant about the film after seeing the San Diego Comic-Con trailer. I thought it was catering to the Hot Topic topic teenage crowd type crowd. (laughs) Seinfeld style, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, there could be. I was really happy that the new trailer shows that the movie isn't taking itself so seriously. I'm not familiar with some of the characters to know how much they differ uh, from the source material, but I really like the designs of all the characters. I'm actually very happy with the more human-looking Croc since he was originally just a guy with a skin condition, right? Oh, oh, go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say that is correct, yes. Oh. I wasn't the biggest fan of the massive Arkham version or modern Hush version where he seemed like he was part crocodile. Do they update his origin in the New 52 so that he was part crocodile? I, the, He is definitely more of a the crocodile version, but I don't think his origin has been that much changed. At least I don't remember it being... Has he had an origin? I'm just trying to think. I know, I'm trying to think of his villain uh, special comic issue when VC was doing their Villains Month, if they actually had his origin, but I don't think it was. He's definitely more, he's not full-on villain, because he's 
especially in Batman Eternal, he did have some moments where he was helping Batman. And he was out there helping some like uh, lost children who like he would take in in the sewer. So he wasn't all bad. He might even be classified as an anti-hero in some stories. So I think that would be the biggest change as far as Croc in the New Fifty Two. This Suicide Squad take just seems like something that fits more with the Batman universe to me. Anyway, even though I do think the Suicide Squad trailer looked like it's going to be a better film, I'm way more excited for Batman v Superman. I tried to tell myself otherwise, but I can't. I don't rewatch trailers, but I've seen all those trailers so many times, and I'm still watching them over and over. I just can't wait to see... Uh, that Batman on the big screen. I just can't wait to see him rip soups a new one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Since my last email, I reread All Star Superman by Grant Morrison in hopes to make myself appreciate Superman more, and I really like the story. I went so far as to say that Superman was my fi- my second favorite superhero after reading it because I liked it so much. However, after being so hyped. I started going through Superman comics and I went back to my problems with the character. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's just too overpowered and self-righteous in so many issues. And I get sick of no one being able to see through his disguise and their cultural depend- dependency on him. And yet that makes me even more excited for the movie because I think it's going to address the problems I have. It, it always bugged me how Superman would smash up a city and then everyone would go around praising him. I like that he has repercussions and has to go to court in Batman vs. Superman. I can't wait to see how Batman's view on Superman changes because Batman's perspective is likely to reflect my own. I think he's 100% right there. <laughs> how he views <laughs> Superman here is going to be what Bruce's, the whole reason why they're going to go to come to blows in the movie. As to the new Justice League action series, I'm happy that there's a series for kids to enjoy while we older folks have the more cynical theatrical depictions of the characters. What's great about Batman is that there's always a version for everybody. And these kids are going to be the the ones keeping this stuff alive, so it's great. They'll have the great voices of the Batman and the Joker during their childhood, just like I did. And tempted. <laughs> yeah, pretty much exactly how I feel about that. You know, Justice League action is going to be perfect that it's for younger kids to get them into DC Comics, but then I think us as older fans are going to get a kick out of it too, just for the fact that we're getting the classic voices. It's enough to make me tune in, regardless of how much it's geared towards a younger audience. And of course, Alex always has questions. And Tim, are you ready for his questions? I think I'm ready for this one. <laughs> okay. You know what? Instead of a top ten, let's do top five. Yeah, I don't know if I could have thought of (laughs) ten right off the bat. Or maybe top three. I'll see how many I can give off. Okay. Uh, But his first question is, what are your top ten favorite fictional characters of all time from any medium? Mine are, uh, one, Batman, two, Lex Luthor, three, Michael Corleone, The Godfather Part 1 and 2. You sure not the third one? <laughs> uh, for is it Aragorn or is it Aragon? It's Aragorn. Aragorn. Yeah. Aragorn. Five is Goku. Six is the Punisher. Seven is Walter White. 
Eight is Homer Simpson. Nine is Rocky Balboa. Really? Rocky? He's, he's, an, huh. he's an inspirational character, isn't he? I haven't seen those movies in a long time, but... Yeah, me neither. Uh, ten, Vito Corleone. All right, let's see how many I can give off here. Okay. Okay, number one's definitely going to be Batman as the greatest fictional character ever. Then I'll be going with... Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan from Star Wars. I could probably list a few Star Wars characters if I wanted to, but trying to spread it out. Then I'll go with Peter Parker, Slat Spider-Man. Then I'll go with Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Then I'll go with Alex on the Dragon Ball front. I don't know if I'll go with Goku. My favorite picture is, our character has always been Piccolo, so I'll put Piccolo on there. I'll what about that bald guy? Krillin. <laughs> oh, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a funny character, but he's not my favorite. Or uh, what's uh, Goku's son's name? Gohan. Gohan's cool. Gohan's yeah. probably my second favorite character. Yeah. And then, of course, i got to get a Ninja Turtle on there, so I'll pick Leonardo. And then I'm going to go on the video game front. I'll go with Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. He's always been my favorite character from the Final Fantasy series. So, And that's one of my favorite games of all time. So I gotta I feel like i got to give that some love. And then trying to think of what else, without you know going to the well of other <laughs> the stuff I already mentioned, like on the Batman front and Star Wars front. Hmm. Maybe yeah, I guess that might be it. I, I wouldn't have thought of Homer Simpson, but <laughs> I'm a big Simpsons fan, and Homer is probably definitely the funniest character on there. So I might have to agree with Alex on that one as well <laughs> for going, you know, comedy and not just you know the superhero like sci-fi fantasy stuff. So maybe I'll put him on my list too. But I guess those would be my top from you know my favorite franchises that I'm really into. So there you go. Who's that purple guy from Dragon Ball Z? Purple guy. Yeah, the purple uh, tentacle guy. Oh, uh, Majin Buu? Because he's kind of more pinkish, though. Oh. Because there is a new character who was just in like, the more recent movies that's like, like a purple cat. His name's Beerus. I don't know if you're thinking of that one. but No. Okay. <laughs> no, it, was, it, it was when um, the, the anime was on uh, Toonami. Okay. Probably yeah, it's, it's like, probably Majin Buu, I would think. Oh, he's a bad guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, for me, uh, definitely Batman. Uh, second would be who's number two? Tim. <laughs> Got to be someone from Star Wars. Come on. Yeah, you know what? I will say. Uh, probably. I don't know. For some reason, I've been watching Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm probably for right now. I'm gonna say Ahsoka. Great choice. She she was such a great character. Yeah. I don't know why they scrapped that series, but well, you gotta watch Rebels because you might be I just getting can't get through it. I just can't get through it, Tim. But there's gonna be an important Ahsoka story arc coming up, so it might be the last one. So. <laughs> Yeah. If you want to see how her story concludes, you should at least watch yeah. some of those episodes with her in it. Uh, for my third choice, I'm going to have to be real specific. It's not Daredevil as a character. Mm-hmm. It's Daredevil from the Netflix show. Okay, yeah, that's a good choice, too. Yeah. Uh, number four, 
Hey, you know what? I'll just keep three. Just keep this okay. short. I just thought of another one too. Uh, I got I got to put Wolverine in there. He's a, he's always been a great character, one of my favorites in the comic book genre. So I got to. Have you read um, Old Man Logan? Yeah, that story is really cool. Is that good? Mm, yeah, I yeah. like that. <laughs> There's I see it promoted everywhere. That's uh, why. There's some rumors or reports that maybe the final Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie might be inspired by that because it'd be kind of hard to be a direct adaption for it <laughs> as far as the characters that they can and can't use. So if we get a little story that's based off that or at least inspired by it i think that could be really cool especially since it's supposedly hugh jackman's last time playing wolverine that's what they all say right yeah he's really like kind of making a point to say that more than he ever has so that's gonna be weird whoever they get talking about filling in somebody else's shoes man that's gonna be a hard job (laughs) whoever takes over the role of wolverine yeah and is it like hugh jackman doesn't he have the record for most appearances in a superhero movie or something? Yeah. He's, as a character? Uh-huh. Like 10 times or something? It's getting to that. I think when it's all said yeah. and done, he might have 10. And by by the time his next movie comes out, is it next year or is it 2018? It might be next year, but whatever the case is, it's almost going to be 20 years he's played the same character. That's wow. pretty awesome. <laughs> Jeez. Because yeah. when was his uh, first appearance? 99? Uh 2000 when the movie came out, but obviously filmed it like a year before, so he's been playing him since yeah. 1999. And he, he, he's in almost every single X-Men movie, related movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The only one he wasn't in was... Yeah, even that, he did have a small cameo in Days of Future Past. Yeah. Oh, not Days of, Fu- Days of Future Past, because he was in that the whole movie. It was uh, X-Men First Class. He had that short cameo when Xavier and Magneto try to recruit him to join their team. What's the um, what's the new movie called? They don't have a title for it yet, just no. being referred to as the third Wolverine movie. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the X-Men oh, movie. Oh, X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, Apocalypse. Yeah, oh, you're hearing, yeah, that would make sense. You're yeah. hearing reports, too, that he might have an appearance in that, too, so... You, you might as just well get him in every single X-Men movie, <laughs> whether it's a small or large role. Just get him in there somehow. I mean, this at this point, and he, he's going to give it up, supposedly, with this last yeah. uh, Wolverine movie, right? So mm. might as well. I know. Just get him in as much as you can, really. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what he's going to do after. Yeah, I'm sure he's not going to be hurting for roles. <laughs> so I'm sure yeah, he'll find he's not really work. in movies. No, yeah, he, well, he was in that pan movie that bombed. <laughs> Did it really bomb? Yeah, it bombed. Like, really, really bad? I think so, yeah. Oh. yeah I think that might play into Warner Brothers' concern to worry about Batman vs. Superman, because that was supposedly supposed to be one of their big movies uh, last year, and yeah. it didn't deliver for them. Uh-oh. So they lost money on that, <laughs> big time, <laughs> I think. Do you think this uh, Jungle Book movie is going to bomb? I don't think so. I think it looks really good, actually. Yeah, yeah, me too. That Tarzan movie is going to bomb, though. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. I saw that one trailer. Didn't didn't give me any desire to go see it, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's like a romantic movie. Yeah, it's like if you're going to go see a jungle movie, I'm on with lots of animals and more fantasy based, like Jungle Book, where they talk to each other, <laughs> which is half the fun. Tarzan talks to gorillas. Yeah, but they don't talk back to him, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what makes Jungle Book fun. <laughs> um, well, 
Alex has a, has a second question. The second question is, since that was a huge question, I'll just a- I'll just ask a quick second one. What was your favorite look for the Joker in the new Suicide Squad trailer? Uh, mine was easy. It was a shot of him in that tux where he's firing that machine gun and just laughing and laughing. I always like the look of Joker when he's in a tuxedo, so I'm glad they're throwing that in there for the Suicide Squad. For me, it was when he was lying down, ah, okay. uh, laughing with all those knives or whatever that is mm-hmm. around there. Yeah, that was a great shot, too. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, when Joker gets arrested in the Dark Knight. He has all those knives on him, and he has the yeah. the, <laughs> the peeler. That's true, yeah. Imagine if he had all those. <laughs> yeah. That's the room where they put all the knives in, and he just went back in there <laughs> and just started laughing. Um, well, well, Alex has a follow-up uh, because he sent this before the uh, Batman v Superman trailer came out. Oh, okay. Cool. He says, I don't know if you guys started recording it, but I saw the new Batman v Superman trailer. I just want to watch it over and over. This is the most excited I've ever been for any movie in my entire life. Oh, nice. It looks amazing. So with that, thank you, Alex, for your email. We always love reading your emails. We always love hearing about you and from you. And just uh, glad, keep... glad to hear your that trailer had the same effect as it did on us. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just left you with such a great feeling and just so pumped up to see the movie afterwards. Yeah. So thank you, Alex. We love you. And uh, I guess we can get into our, comic, our comics, Tim. Yes, we can. All right. But first, we got to think of a good rating scale. Hmm. How about amount of faith that Warner Brothers supposedly does not have in Zack Snyder? <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> Even though I don't believe it. <laughs> so, as always, got to throw out the spoiler warning for the comics we're going to be talking about on this episode, and those are going to be Batman Europa number four, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number three. And Batman 49. Pretty much all the same comics we reviewed on the last episode, just the next issues for them. So, good segues from episode to episode. But, going to kick it off with Batman Europa, the final issue of this mini arc. And, yeah, going to keep this one short because the story didn't end on a good note with the last few issues. I enjoyed the first one, set up a good premise, but... Like I said on the last episode, I wasn't buying into the Joker-Batman team-up dynamic. And so it all came to a head in this issue, where it starts out with Batman and Joker already fighting. It was kind of like a flash-forward. But then we get to the meat of the story where Batman and Joker are in Rome, trying to find out who's behind all this. And I will say I did not see who the actual culprit was who infected him with the virus. It ended up being Bane. And I didn't really peg him for a suspect or someone who would do this for Batman and Joker. And I don't know, the whole reason he did it, he said it was basically just to make Batman and Joker realize they can't live without each other. It's because it ended up being that the only way they can cure themselves is if they, you know take like each other's like own blood because they were the source of each other's cure so they would need one of another to get rid of the virus in them so Bane wanted to prove the point just thought philosophical type thinking that we as Batman fans know and I'm sure depending on the story that Batman and Joker realize that you know they can't live without each other the opposite sides of the same coin all that type of thing but just made me think why would Bane care about that I don't know if I dismissed something while I was reading the stories because it just uh, 
didn't get that invested into it in the end. But I just didn't see the purpose of Bane wanting to do that. So uh, got a pretty cool fight sequence with Batman and Bane, and then Bane just kind of taking on the Joker. But yeah, the artwork in this one I wasn't too big of a fan of, especially the Joker. There was some panels of the Joker where he just did not look good to me. Just way too cartoony, and his facial expressions just didn't look right. So that was kind of a negative, too. Of course, in the end, Batman's able to defeat Bane, and then it goes into the whole thing with uh, Will, Batman, and Joker. Because actually, Bane has Joker you know, ready to kill him, and he's like, will you save him, Batman? To you know, to cure yourself and Joker, you know, would you let me kill Batman just so he can die, even though you'll die also. So that whole type of, uh, thinking going on with Bane trying to, you know, drive home his point between the Batman and Joker's relationship. But like I said, Batman's able to defeat Bane. And then the issue ends rather abruptly because Batman and Joker are going to fight, but you know, it's not going to come to the point where Batman's going to kill the Joker. He just, you know, has to stop him and take him down. And this, the issue, why is they're about to fight? Because I guess since we got a little preview of it in the first issue and then how this issue started, it just ends where Batman's about to fight the Joker. He just says, let's have some fun. And we see a cool a, a cool silhouette of you know, the Batman cape him flying towards the Joker with bats flying out behind him. And then over the last page is just, you know, the Roman Colosseum, just flying bats flying straight out of it. And that's how the issue ends. So <laughs> overall, the premise was intriguing in the beginning, but yeah, I just couldn't get into it in the next few issues, and this kind of ends up being a forgettable story. So, yeah, this one, I'm going to give it two out of five uh, confidence that Warner Brothers doesn't have in Zack Snyder with Batman v Superman. Basically because I didn't see the twist with Bane coming, and there was a somewhat entertaining fight sequence. But overall, this story was not one of my favorites. But on the contrast to that, we get to talk about another issue of Batman Teenage Mutant Turtles number three. And do you know how much I raved about issue number two in our last episode? And really? You like this? Uh, you like this book, Tim? I don't, I don't know if you knew that about me, Dave, but I... I would have never. <laughs> <laughs> I like to dabble in some Ninja Turtles comments uh, once in a while. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. Might check out their animated series, too. I talk about it a little bit on Twitter. I don't know if you ever see me mention it, but... <laughs> You don't strike me as the kind of person that would like the, the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> always have and always will. <laughs> but this one, I will say, not quite as awesome as issue number two was, but this is still another great entry into the story, and i just eating it up, every bit of it. It's just so cool. So this issue begins with a little flash-forward, too, where... Batman and Penguin, or Shredder has Penguin, you know, helping him make his transport to get back to their own universe. And they kidnap their kidnap this doctor named Khan, who you know is the man who's going to help him and is the only way to get this transporter working. But um, we see Batman save him from some foot soldiers and is going to rescue him uh, to get him out of there. But you know, Shredder realizes Batman's there, and he sends uh, the foot to stop him. And then Batman's uh, I forget who he's actually flipping through it right now. Actually, the turtles come and stop Shredder when he's about to turn on the portal. And they're all like saying, like, how did you get in here? You like, you couldn't have done this by yourselves. And then, you know, was all, it's got to be Batman. And then, But Shredder sees the turtles, so it's like, what's going on? And they're all, nope, it's like the both of us. 
in, of course, in turtle fashion, they call it a totally awesome team up. So there's this great panel where you see tons of foot soldiers about to attack Batman and the turtles for what's going to be an epic fight. So what was cool about this issue was that while we saw Batman fight the turtles in issue number two, which is awesome, now we're finally going to see Batman team up with the turtles and take on the foot soldiers, which didn't disappoint. But before we get to the fight, it goes back, it flashes back about, uh, I think it was two hours earlier, where Bruce is going over the plans of, you know, to what Shredder and Penguin are up to. But then the bat, the alarm goes off in the bat cave. So Alfred and Batman go down there. And then you see the turtles having all kinds of fun in the cave. You see Michelangelo riding on the Tyrannosaurus Rex that he said he was going to do in the last issue once he saw it. You see Donatello just geeking out over the bat computer just how big it is and declares is like is this what love is like i'm sure this was what <laughs> love feels like and then you got leo and Raph just going through admiring batman's trophies He's, they're walking through his suitcases where they're seeing all these different bat suits but Raph is still you know kind of skeptical calling batman just a crazy guy in a mask and leo's kind of you know well we wear a mask we operate in the shadows like him and he's always like we're different we like we're living on up into a tradition. We're about family. This guy knows nothing about family. Like he probably doesn't know what the term family means. It was just you know kind of cool to hear Raph say that. Just as Batman fans know what Batman does, it's all about family. <laughs> and just the fact that you know that's the perception that he has when it's totally the opposite is was a pretty cool contrast between what Raph thinks and what Batman thinks. And it was just you know those are the two type of characters always view the worst <laughs> situation they're probably the most cynical so it wouldn't make Raph to think that but once he hears that that's when Batman uh, makes himself known and he just he jumps on one of his suit uh, glass cases and then just kicks Raph into one of his Batmobiles and they're about looks like they're about to fight again but Splinter's there you know to kind of explain the situation why the why they are there and uh, the history between them and the Shredder what their plan is and there's this awesome panel of as for fans of Ninja Turtles and the current IDW comics, just cool to see some of the familiar characters as Splinter is telling Batman their history as we see Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady. And then a cool pose of the Turtles that's an homage to the very first cover of the very first comic, which I thought was a nice touch. So they explain their side of the story. Batman agrees, you know, they got to team up, tries to help them so they won't mutate back to their normal turtle selves and get the Shredder out of Gotham. And there's a great uh, little moment here, too, where the alarm goes off and Alfred comes <laughs> coming down the back cave uh, with a shotgun saying like I've activated the cave's full defensive they will not be able to escape and Alfred's all you know it's okay Alfred stand down and Michael Angelo like oh cool you got a robot dinosaur and a robot butler <laughs> this is Alfred um, Michael Angelo having some fun with Alfred of course you know how Alfred would react to that not really getting mad but still being a little annoyed about <laughs> being called a robot so then we get uh flash forward to the current fight with Batman taking on the foot with the turtles another cool action sequences I really love the artwork in here and how their fight sequences are laid out from Batman and the turtles so some cool stuff in there but Shredder's not going to let Batman and the turtles stop him instead of allowing them to escape through the portal to save themselves Shredder destroys the portal keeping them there but then they figured well we still got Dr. Khan he knows how to rebuild it but unknowings to Batman and the Turtles in typical Shredder fashion, he actually impl- implanted a bomb in the Doctor's head too, so when he triggered the explosion on the portal, he killed the Doctor there, pretty much sealing the fate of himself and the Turtles so he his plan was actually to keep the portal open, because he wants to rule New York and his universe, and also Gotham, 
Because once he saw what Gotham was like, he just figured, I, I got to rule this city too. So he wants to rule both, but now he's going to be stuck in Gotham since he destroyed the por- portal. So uh, once that happens, Raph tries to get one last attack into him, but Shredder uh, slices him pretty good and wounds him pretty bad where they have to return him to the cave. So Shredder makes his escape, and that was a really cool issue, some cool action in there, more great Batman and Turtles moments, but... The issue is made even better by an awesome reveal at the end where as great as it is to have Batman team up with the Turtles, we're going to get a cool villain team up because as Shredder makes his escape, we find out that Ra's al Ghul and the League of Assassins have infiltrated his escape helicopter, took out the foot there, and now they kind of want to cut a deal as far as you know being partners and working together. And I can't think of a better Batman villain to team up with Shredder than Ra's al Ghul. They both have an army of ninja and assassins, and they have, they're trying to build their empire and take over Gotham, so it's making for the perfect partnership, and I just can't wait to see how their dynamic's going to work and how they're going to face off against Batman and the Turtles. I just can't wait to see that. Just doing another layer <laughs> to this story that I'm intrigued in. So another awesome issue. I'm going to go in and give it four and a half out of five uh, things that... Warner Brothers are worried about with Zack Snyder and Batman v Superman. The story is just so much fun. <laughs> I can't recommend it enough. And it's cool that uh, I finally got Mark into checking out the Turtles comics. He's reading this uh, series right here, but then he's checking out the Turtles' own IDW comic from the beginning. So, glad to have Mark on the Turtle bandwagon train. So, I, he's enjoying it too, like I knew he would. So, he's in for some great stories. But, now on to Batman number 49. We're like we said, getting close to the end of Scott Snyder's run. And what's big about this issue is that Bruce is looks like he's finally going to come back to the role as Batman. But he's not donning the cape and cowl just yet in this issue. You know, we got to save that for the issue that comes out the same month Batman v Superman releases. So <laughs> we can't expect that this soon. And this issue is one that is, um, is written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian. But uh, Greg Capullo is not the artist. It's uh, Yannick uh, Paquette. If I'm saying that right. Um, the art is, it's still good. It's nothing bad, but, you know, it takes a little bit getting used to to reading a Scott Snyder Batman story without uh, Greg Capullo. So it took a while to get adjusted to the different art style. But this issue was kind of a mixed bag for me. Some great moments in here, and I'm going to kind of jump to the end real quick because uh, Bruce does get his memory back. He realizes he is Batman, and that's a cool, a cool moment. But my favorite part of the issue is Alfred still trying to convince him that he doesn't have to do this. He be his normal Bruce Wayne. Let Gordon take on the risk. Don't be Batman anymore. Be the happy person you were meant to be if your parents were, weren't killed in the life that they'd want you to have just as a happy uh, man and who's you know about to get married. He's doing good things for children. and But that's really, you know, you really feel for Alfred here. He's crying. He's on his feet. Uh, you know, begging Batman to not do this. I don't want to lose <laughs> that little boy again. And he has this great line as uh, Batman is trying to, or Bruce is trying to go to that fail-safe machine, which I actually forgot about, but they made a point to mention it early on in the story arc that uh, Bruce has this machine that has all his memories and, uh, you know, mental uh, abilities that a person would need to be Batman. But he's tried it on, like, several clones, but the body cannot or the brain cannot handle Batman's memories and mental capabilities. It's just too much. So it overloads those uh, test subjects that Batman tried using. It became a failure, but Bruce has to try it on himself because if anyone's going to handle it, it's going to be Bruce Wayne. 
But this is where the issue kind of was a mixed bag for me. It went into these portions where, like, these alternate universe Batmans, which was pretty much what was playing him, uh, I guess, were those memories and those potential other Batmans that Bruce had set up if he ever needed to use that machine for other people to become Batman. So we're seeing these different versions of Batman where one is uh, Bruce is a detective and Gordon's actually Batman's like the flip-flop. Then you got these uh, Batman in different suits. But every time the machine fails, Bruce is experiencing those Batman failing their missions and dying. So it's like those different memories of trying to get Batman back. Once the machine fails, those Batman fails in a way too. So I thought this felt a little unnecessary to me. I just kind of would have liked it if Bruce was trying to, you know, let the suppressed memories that the Dianosium cured, have those come back. This, you know, this is normal Batman memories, the pain that he has of losing his parents. Let those come back to the forefront to be the reason why he comes back. Um, while this does make sense that Batman will have this fail-safe machine to, you know, to ensure that Batman will always be around, but it just sounds kind of like an easy way to do it to get those memories back. And I just kind of would have liked it kind of how it was building early on where you had Duke kind of get those memories triggered out of Batman's head and then his conversations with the Joker uh, that Bruce had was getting those memories and those feelings of being Batman back even more so. So I just felt they would have did a little more stuff like that instead of having it being a machine. I thought, at least for me, it would have been a better payoff, but um, the machine's not working and Bruce is telling Alfred he has to do it again and Alfred, again, more great lines. I just love this part where he says, if you do it again, you're going to die. I spent my life like waiting for you, the real you, the one who never set foot in Crime Alley, and like I had that Bruce. He's here, and if I turn this machine on, I'll. You're, he says you're asking me to play the part of Joe Chill to pull the trigger, not twice but three times, because I'll be p- killing you. That was a really powerful line to have Alfred compare himself to Joe Chill, because it is kind of true. He will be killing that little boy. He you know how he is now as a grown man, as he would have been if there was no Batman. He wouldn't be killing him. So. That resonated really a lot with me to hear Alfred say that. That was pretty powerful. But he won't do it, but then Julie Madison comes down. She always knew that Bruce was Batman, and, you know, kind of just said, I just always known there was just something about him. And so she says, Batman tells her he has to do this. She says, I know you do. So he pushes the switch on, which is going to cause brain pretty much brain death is what it's called. You pretty much have to kill this Bruce Wayne to get the old Bruce who is Batman back. So she flicks the machine. It works. And then, because Alfred just asks, like, Master Bruce, is that you? You've been gone a long time, but the city, like, it's under attack. We need to. And Bruce just says, stop. Save it for the car. Let's get to work. So that's the last panel. He has that Batman scowl on his face, that cold expression. You know the Batman from uh, the previous, uh, you know, from the New 52 uh, continuity anyway, is back. You know right away that that Bruce is dead and Batman is back. So while that was a cool moment, like I said, I just felt getting there, there's too much stuff I felt that wasn't needed. All seeing those different versions of Batman and having that machine to get uh, Bruce those memories back. This didn't work for me. So like I said, a mixed bag. I'm going to go ahead and give this one three out of five of things that Warner Brothers is worried about with Zack Snyder and Batman v Superman. Looking forward to seeing Bruce finally don back the cape and cowl again and uh, end this whole Mr. Bloom storyline and Gordon as Batman. So we'll see how it all wraps up next month and then just one more issue after that. So uh, 
good to have Bruce back. Like I said, we all knew it was coming, and then we're finally going to see him as Batman once the movie comes out. But nevertheless, still a pretty cool moment mixed in with some stuff I would have done without. So still Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles continues to be my <laughs> Batman comics highlight. So I only got three more issues left of that. So a lot of stuff is going to be ending in the next few months. So I got to enjoy it. Uh-oh. So... Batman number 49 kind of a miss I don't want to give it a full miss it's, it's a mix, it's really mixed stuff I really like and stuff I didn't like but at the end of the day it's great to have Bruce back as Batman with all those uh, memories now back so I would leave it or lean more towards a win because I could get through the stuff I didn't like because the stuff that I did like I felt overtook and overtook the negative feelings I had for the stuff I really didn't enjoy, so more on the win. Uh, okay. Alright, so I guess with that, uh, email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com Follow uh, the show on Twitter at batfanspodcast Follow Tim on Twitter timg311 Alright, back to the 1-1. One and, <laughs> and my Twitter handle is at Dane says banana. Uh, go over to the batmanuniverse.net on Facebook at facebook.com slash Batman Universe or on Twitter, Twitter handles at Batman Universe. So with that, I guess we could say we love you. Right, Tim? We love you. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love you. Just remember, if you ever feel alone in this world, Tim and Dane do in fact love you and care about you. Right, Tim? With all our hearts. With all our hearts. That. We'll see you guys next time. What a bot.